Well, good morning. Numbers chapter 6 in, in your Bible, Old Testament book. Numbers chapter 6, and in just a moment or two, we're going to begin reading in verse 22. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. And a welcome to you here and a welcome to you online. As we were singing the last song, Build My Life, I'm, I have never, ever, ever had a theme song for the year, but about midway through this year, I made this song uh, my theme song for the year. In fact, the, the bridge, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. So not in my performance, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's how, that's, that was my theme song for the year. Maybe it'll make it again the next year. Who knows? All right. Verse 22, chapter 6, Numbers. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Amen. Let's pray together, please. God and Father, you are good and you are gracious and you are generous and your mercy endures forever. At the preaching of your word, in the power of the Holy Spirit, make this truth for us a fundamental mind and heart reality ever increasing. Father, enlarge our acquaintance with you living by your truth and not our instinct. For Jesus' sake, we pray these things. Amen. So I was trying to think of how do I start this sermon? And I kept going back to this one story in my life that happened a long, long time ago. It's so carnal, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, when we grew up in South Florida, we had the opportunity to take lots of like mini weekend vacations so typically, we'd leave the house on a Friday and then come back sometime Sunday morning, afternoon, whatever. Well, this one particular trip, we were going to Tampa, Florida. We were meeting my aunt, Marina, and my uncle, Ronnie, and my two cousins, Greg and Debbie. And we loved being with them, and we loved this particular hotel. It had a swimming pool, so, you know, you're a kid. That's pretty much all you need at that time. But anyway, we're there, and the whole plan was to leave on Sunday. But my dad, and this is how I recall it, my dad comes into our hotel room. My sister and uh, myself are on the bed with Greg and, and Debbie, and we're watching a Rocky movie. I don't know which one, but anyway, it was, it was on the television. My dad had a pizza, and he said, guess what? And we said, what? And he said, ready? We're staying for two more days. Now, I was 10, 11, 12. And he might as well say, we're going to go to heaven tomorrow. I mean, it was that good. It was that good. It was overwhelming. We know the usual routine is you get there Friday and you leave on Sunday. This was, we weren't leaving until like Tuesday. And we had a blast. And so if you ask me, well, one of your favorite memories as a child, I'm going to tell you that one all the time. And the whole point of it was, it was like, you know, we knew what we should expect. And it was a good thing. It was a great thing. Friday, Sunday, great. But two more days? Are you kidding me? Two more days? It's the same here. 
We're going to learn a lot about God's nature and the way that He will, He will bless His people. So in the exodus of God's people from their slavery to Egypt, in order that both his, to save His people and to sustain His people, provision was made by God outside of their capacities so that they could get to the promised land. Okay, that's really, really important. And both, and both God to save his people and sustain his people, provision was made outside their own capacities by God so they could get to their promised land. It's the same for you and I in Christ. Provision in Christ outside of our capacities is generously provided for us day one by God in Christ. And this prayer even though it's an Old Testament prayer, it points to that reality. So it's going to take us then to our first point, the setting. Well, the setting here, as you probably know, is the people of God are gathered at the base of Mount Sinai. They have been delivered from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Now think of that. Eight, nine, ten generations of people living and dying. And now this generation is finally here. The exodus is complete. Having made their way through the Red Sea, they are at the base of Mount Sinai. They will be camped there for just about an entire year. While there, Moses will receive the Ten Commandments. Moses will also receive the rest of the Mosaic Law, which will guide God's people as a nation. There are, there are about somewhere between 2 million and 3 million people there. They're getting ready to leave Mount Sinai and go through the journey, and through the desert, to the promised land. It's going to take incredibly long, a lot longer than it should have. Many people will die. And the reason why is they didn't trust God, so they didn't believe God. And because they didn't trust and they didn't believe, an entire generation, in one sense, will not be saved. They are unbelievers. They're going to die on the journey. There's going to be shortages at times. Water, food. There's going to be division and dissension. There'll be some wild things happening on, and it will be um, not an easy journey for God's people. Indeed, there's going to be times, if you can believe it or not, they're going to wish that they lived as slaves again in Egypt. That would be the equivalent in my mind. It just comes to mind as my dad says, hey, we're going to stay till Tuesday. We're like, dad, we'd like to leave Saturday night. <laughs> Take us home early. Can you believe they'd actually want to go back to Egypt? And it turns out that it's going to take some 39 years to complete the journey. And in that setting, and you'll see this there in verse 22, God speaks to Moses. And then verse 23, Moses speaks to Aaron. And Aaron, who's the high priest, is to stand before these millions of people. And he is to say, do you see it there? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turns his face, turn his face towards you and give you peace. And do you see that word peace? It's the last word of this blessing, and it's put there purposely. Peace is the climax of this blessing. It is though that every good word which has proceeded is leading to one thing, peace. And as they go through this incredibly difficult pilgrimage to the promised land, God will change nothing about the journey, but he will give them his peace. Now, think of it this way. They are free. Finally. They are God's children. 
And they will need this prayer. And they have it as they move day by day closer to the promised land. It's the same thing for Christians. We have been set free. We are no longer a slave to sin's penalty nor its power. And we're moving day by day and our pilgrimage on this earth, some days easier than others. We've been saved from sin's presence. We've been saved from sin's power. We're getting to the promised land, the new heaven and the new earth. And what they will learn, as will we, is God is more than good. And he is more than generous. And listen carefully. God is so focused on their total well-being, it's going to be more than they ever can imagine. Again, God is so focused on their total well-being, it's going to be more than they could ever imagine. Now, you need to know that this prayer is grace. They didn't. We don't deserve this prayer to be true. But by golly, it is true. We have it. Now, theologians tell us that this blessing is the highest blessing in the Old Testament. And again, it climaxes in peace. It's written in similar words in other places in the Bible. Just listen. Psalm 4, 6, please. Let the light of your face shine on us. Psalm 31, 16. Let your face shine on your servant. Psalm 61, 1, 67, 1, excuse me. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Psalm 83, oh God, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Verse 7, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Verse 19, the Lord God Almighty, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Now you see this repetitive nature. And the blessing then, this blessing was the anchor point for the people of God. Whatever they lost, they always knew that they had this. And it was repeated again and again and again all throughout their lives. It was daily, it was weekly, it was timely. Let me just tell you this. Before I leave the house in the morning with my wife and I, we always say three things, four things to each other. We say, we love each other, we say, God bless you, and we say, grace and peace to you. Every time. And if we don't, we go back in and say it. Or if we don't, we text it to each other. And it's not like being silly. I I love her. We want God to bless us in the order of the day. And we need God's grace and peace. In fact, at the end of the worship service, the priest would stand up. This is Leviticus chapter 9. And he would raise his hands. And that was a signal that God was blessing his people. And he would say what God said here. So this was serious business to them. The blessing gave God's people everything needed, which would end with peace. The whole exercise of the hands lifted up and the words spoken of to or from God through Moses to Aaron, that was all part of the beauty of it, the pageantry. God really meant this. And so as we think about it, we're going to embark on another year. This, this prayer is very personal and it's very positive, and I want you to know that that's the reason why I chose this verse. I want us to know this blessing and to know this peace, to feel enormously privileged as the new year ends and the new one begins, how gigantically safe we are with God. That's our first point, setting. Setting. Second point, source. Okay, who is the source of this blessing? 
Well, you see it there. It's God. Who's saying all this nice stuff? It's God. Verse 22, the Lord said to Moses. It's a phrase which literally dominates the book of Numbers. 150 times we read this phrase, the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses in the book of Numbers. The first six chapters of this book begin with, it's the first verse, the Lord spoke to Moses. So this blessing is God's word. To repeat this blessing is to repeat the word of God. When Moses did not come up, uh, or Moses, excuse me, didn't come up with this. Aaron did not say, you know what, this sounds really nice. (laughs) This is God. He is the source. He is speaking through Moses to Aaron. But again, the source is God. God to Moses, verse 22, excuse me, tell Aaron and his sons. So you'll remember, if you know your Old Testament, that Aaron and his sons were the priestly tribe. And they set aside, they were set aside by God to do their priestly ministry. So think of it this way. There's one primary source, God. Aaron is the messenger via Moses. But when Aaron is speaking, God is speaking through him. Now, I don't know if you played Christmas games over the holiday. We have, and we're still doing them. The one game that we didn't play, which I wish we would have, was the telephone game. You know that? Where you say something to someone's ear, and then they have to say it to the next person, and they have to say it to the next person, and by the time you get to everybody, at the very end, you're hoping that what you said is the same thing as what comes to the end. That's the telephone game. Shake your head if you know that game. Okay. Moses, excuse me, God, to Moses, say this, Moses. Tell Aaron this. Moses to Aaron. Aaron, get this right. There it is. The Lord bless you, keep you, and on and on. God is the source. Paul does the same thing, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We also thank God. He's thanking the church continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human words, but as it actually is, the word of God. Therefore, God is speaking, and God is blessing. Small wonder that the blessing itself in verses 24, 5, and 6 all begin with the same two words. You see it there, verse 24, the Lord bless you. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine upon you. Verse 26, the Lord turn his face towards you. Again, God is speaking here. God is blessing. And as their true story, as as God's people out of Egypt to the promised land goes, they will have no need outside this blessing. That's so important. There's nothing more that they will need outside this blessing. All their needs, now you think, spiritual, physical, personal, emotional, emotional, will be met in the yes of this benediction, guaranteed. So if you like, listen, this prayer is all on God. It's all on God. It's not about you right now, the answer. It's all on God. It's grace. God is committed to them. God will take care of them. God will bless them and that they will have his peace. And of course, they will bless the world. What they need, God will give. And in this blessing, there is nothing miserly at all. There's no performance needed on our end. This is all grace. 
You've got to get this, that in your head. It is all grace. So if we can agree that the blessing comes from God, can we just stop for a moment and just kind of think contemporary? This is not any in the whole uh, prosperity preaching thing. I mean, if you listen carefully to prosperity preaching, they make you jump through a million hoops to, quote, get your blessing. I mean, that's all it is. You got to do this, you got to do this, and if you do this right and do that enough, boom, you're blessed. This is not that. God is not an animal trainer. He is your father, and he will bless you. You see, we can't let those people ruin God's truth. Listen to your Bible. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from God. That's James. He delights to give good gifts. That's Matthew. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. God was talking to his people and he said, if you wanted more, I would have given it to you. All you had to do was ask. Romans 11. From him are all things. 1 Timothy 6. He has richly given us all things for our enjoyment. 1 Corinthians 4. What do you have that you didn't receive? God is the source. God is the source in the physical realm, and God is the source, of course, in the spiritual realm. Ephesians 1.3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, present acting and indicative, this is right now, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Revelation 4, in him we live, or actually this is Acts, in him we live and we move and we have our existence. Now just ask yourself this question. Don't be hard on yourself. Just ask yourself this question. Do you know God that way? Do you know God that way? It has been said in a few different ways that the main business of life is to know God. And once you realize that, the most of your problems just kind of fall into place. It's not that they're gone, but they just kind of fall into place. So the world suffers from, you know, life is a bad joke. Life is a great bore. You know, once you had your, your full, you find nothing really taste, or everything is just so unfair, the kind of a complaining and argumentative bent of the world, or constantly grumbling is the world, constantly murmuring, constantly complaining, misjudging, judgmentalism. That's pretty much the world. And no Christian is completely immune to those kinds of things. But by God's mercy, they do not last. So what I want you to know is knowing God this way is calculated, if you would, to thrill us. We used to know this little boy in Tennessee. He was like four or five. And when he would eat at the table and he really liked what he would eat, he would go, I want more. (laughs) I want more. And he would get more. (laughs) God is saying, do you know I am the source of this blessing? This is me to you. That's our second point. Thirdly then, okay, then who is the subject of the blessing? Well, I just told you. Look down at your Bible. There's one word which is the most repeated word in this blessing from God, and that word is not Lord, but it is the word you. This is one of those times when when it's literally all about you, and it's okay. (laughs) It is all about you. The Lord, the word Lord three times, the word you six times. The Lord bless you and keep you, shine his face on you and be gracious to you and give you peace. So you say, okay, God, why do you do that? Why do you keep repeating that word you? Most newspaper or book editors, they would take out at least half of those yous. It's redundant. 
It could be, you know, taken as an insult to the reader. But here God is intentional. If you like, God is, is driving a nail into the board, you know, tap, tap, tap. You, you, you. Tap, tap, tap. You, you, you. And it's anchored deep, the nail. And it's anchored tight. God wants us to get this and hold on to this and know this is true. God's emphasis here is you. The Lord bless you. So this isn't just, you know, nice, what is it, maybe like a nice melody. Or this sounds good to the ear. This is meant to connect with your life. I hope you're listening and I hope you're thinking about making those connections with your life. Why wouldn't you? I did. So this is something we should never forget in the ins and outs of life. This matters. Nothing can be more practical than this. And scholars here tell us that in the Hebrew language, the pronoun here, you, is in the singular. You can't really see it in English, but in Hebrew it's so clear. It's singular, which means this is as personal as, as you can get. This you is almost like there's not another person alive on the planet. Do, do you ever you remember this when you would hold, hold your children's face? Maybe you still do and you're talking to them. You know, not crushing them. Really sweet you. Do you do that to your wife or your husband? You hold their face and you, and you go, you. We had to play a game last night at one of our party games. And I had to look into my wife's eyes for 10 seconds and give her a message without words. Is that you're just right there, all of you. Do you remember the when the thought came into your life that, and it's said so much that it shouldn't lose its steam. But when when the thought comes, if Christ had to die for only you, he would have. Do you remember what that meant to you when you finally got it and it kind of just like. This benediction, this blessing, this prayer tells me and it tells you that you and I are known by God. We are known by God. He knows it all about us and still wishes to bless us. In fact, he will bless us. Augustine said, for what I am to myself but a guide to my own downfall. It's true. It's our nature. But God says, you're not anonymous to me. I know you. And every act of mine is intentional and precise in your life. Every day, this kind of personal, individual attention. And, and is there not tremendous relief in this for you? That God takes such an interest in you? A, a relief, Christian, that this blessing to you is utterly realistic. Listen carefully. At every point of God's prior knowledge of you, even though he knows the worst things about you, that in no way disillusions God and in no way will stop his blessing. That's grace. You, know, you can try to self-punish, but that will not quench God's termination, excuse me, to bless you. And you see, this is very significant. 
Because as God says to Moses, to say to Aaron, to say to those three million people, by the way, 600,000 would be soldiers in their army. He speaks to everyone as an individual. The blessing to them as if there's no one else in the tribe, there's no one in the family, there's no one else in the room. It's just you and there's God. And in the best of ways, and this is God giving, giving you his acute Precise attention. Luke 15. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't, doesn't the shepherd leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds you? John 10.10. 10, he calls his own sheep by name. Does it get any personal than that? John chapter 4, John chapter 8, he gives his personal care and his personal attention and protection and grace to two women who needed exactly that. The subject of this blessing is you. Now, if you know the story of the wilderness wanderings, you will know that grace was abounding. They were awfully bad. They grumbled and complained just about about everything. (laughs) Complained about their provision. They complained about their leaders, which God said was like grumbling and complaining about him. No water. No food. The word of God said they were testing the Lord. Again, they even said, I can't believe this. They want to go back to the place of no blessing and to the place of slavery. We want to go back to Egypt. And then remember the whole golden calf thing? I mean, worshiping a cow and then at the end, excuse me, but that whole big orgy. Right? So, so, you know, sex stuff. Sex stuff. That is where the line is drawn and no blessing for anyone. Loved ones, they, like we, undeserving, unqualified, unworthy, unfit people, and the Lord is still determined to bless them. Not because of anything found in them, simply because God said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion on. Therefore, the reason then for this blessing is not found in them, but in God. The reason for their blessing has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with God's mercy upon them. And we Christians, we understand that. We can't be a Christian if we don't understand. It's the gospel, Romans 5, 6. You see at just the right time when you were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. That's me outside of Jesus. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's just like God. It's just like God to give us who were godless sinners, the, who were ungodly, the gift, the grace of his perfect righteousness and the promise of heaven. No list of sins I have not done. No list of virtues I pursue. No list of things those I am not like can earn myself a place with you. Oh God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner through and through. My only hope of righteousness is not in me, but only you. Remember, it was the prodigal son's brother who was ticked that his wandering brother who came back hat in hand would be forgiven and by golly, a party would be thrown for that little rascal. Who does that? 
God. God. And so just look how God has chosen to subject, uh, to bless, excuse me, the subjects of his benediction. There's eight things we're going to notice quickly. First, there are three lines. You see it there? Look at your Bible. With a total of two blessings per line. So there's six blessings here. Second, notice they are for all the people of God. Not for some of them. Not for the, you know, the spiritual elite or the, or the super serious the, or the super filled with faith. No, all of them will be blessed this way. Third, this is not you can only have two blessings. <laughs> that would be fair. No. Choose your two. No. You'll have every one of them. Four, the structure of this is, is amazing. There's a technical word for it. It's called synthetic parallelism. And all that means, it means that God just extends his goodness. So it's, it's called A, B. Just look at your Bible. Verse 24, the Lord bless you, that's A. And then he extends it. The Lord keep you, that's B. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine on you, that's A. And then he extends it. If that wasn't enough, and be gracious to you. And the idea here is that in this blessing, God just expands his margins. And he's moving out further and further and further. The Lord's blessing upon the people here, it's like, and one more thing, and one more thing, and one more thing. I mean, it would almost be like, and again, this is kind of carnal, but if you went home and, and you had all new Christmas presents under your Christmas tree, and one more thing, and one more thing, and then your boss called you, you know, we're, we're going to give you another week off. And one more thing, and one more thing. And, and the, you know, I don't know, Domino's Pizza. And goes, hey, we heard about your family. We're going to send you pizza Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's going to be great. The boundaries are extended. Five. The variations are rich here. This is diverse. Bless, keep, shine, be gracious. Life, give, peace. It's a buffet of blessing. Six. Each begins with the Lord. And so the repetition of it reminds us the Lord is behind all of this. He's giving it all. Seven, each line gets pro- progressively longer, which means each blessing gets extended. So you can't see it in, the, in English, but in Hebrew, verse 24 is only three words. But then verse 25 is five words in the Hebrew. And verse 26 is seven words in the Hebrew. And again, the point here is expansion, enlargement. It's the ever-increasing nature of God to bless his people. Now, I mean, I just, you know what pops in my mind? It makes sense. If, if we are sinners, and we are, and if we sin every day, and most of us would admit we do, then, then grace keeps abounding over our sin. It makes complete sense to me in that realm specifically that God's grace just keeps bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and day by day and day by day, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, this is how we're going to end our time. We're just going to focus with laser-like focus on each of those lines. And you should know that every, and this would be a great little study, every benediction in the New Testament has some of what you read here in Numbers chapter 6. So it just gets said again and again in many different ways in the New Testament. The Lord bless you and keep you. That's verse 24. And this speaks of God's perfect provision for you. Bless, that's a foundational word. That's why it comes first. Verse 23, say this is how you are to bless them. Verse 27, and I will bless them. So this is bookends. Barak is the Hebrew word, and it's a picture word. And the word picture is, is this is God kneeling down, reaching down to grant his people his goodness. 
Now, we all know that we should bow and kneel to God, but here the picture is reversed, and God is bending down from heaven, kneeling down to give us his blessing. And blessing here means everything that you need in life, God will give. May the Lord bless you with everything you need in life. Now, in the Bible, there's two categories of blessings. There's the redemptive blessing, and there is common grace. Redemptive blessing is kind of like amazing grace. Everything associated with salvation, justification, reconciliation, propitiation. But then common grace is just like the stuff of life, a job, health, food, a home, a family, someone to love. This has nothing to do with us going to heaven, but everything to do with God's blessing and provision in your life. So when God says here, through Aaron, the Lord bless you, this actually is both. This is Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is John 10.10, Jesus, I've come to give you life and to give it to you at its full. Have it at its full. Or Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, every spiritual blessing in Christ, yours. So if you ask yourself the question, maybe at the end of a difficult week, is God really committed to my life that he will supply everything I need? The answer is yes. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. And the word there, it's a security word. It means the doorkeeper. That's what it literally means. The point here is security. Nothing gets past the door. Because God is a keeper. So if it gets to you, the Lord has deemed it is good for you. Only divine direction or divine permission is the only way that anything gets through the door of our life. The Lord will guard. He will protect, sustain, maintain, shield. Every minute, every second in life, you will, you will never be anywhere in anything but that God is not there with you. Now, I, you don't need to know this, but I want to tell you that sometimes I get really afraid at night. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but I do. This tells me that I can relax. God is my doorkeeper. Verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. Verse 25, the Lord make his face shine on you. Well, what is that? Well, that is the equivalent of God smiling. This is what is called an anthropomorphism. And what that means is you use human terms to describe God. This is the shining face of God. This is the expression of his pleasure and his affection on his people. I, 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 on you... And you, and you, 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 you. This is the delight of God for his people. Christian, he looks upon us always, always, always. Because of Jesus and his finished work on the cross, he looks at us with a smile. There is no condemnation. No condemnation. Now, what's the opposite? The opposite is to be angry. Kind of a scowling face. The opposite is indifference, unkind, or like kind of like the power face. Is like, I have power over you. Uh. You know what this is? Another big theological word. This is called the visio dei. This is the beatific vision. This is the face of God. It's the supreme blessing in all of everything is to see the face of God. Revelation chapter 22 verse 4. They will see his face. So this is, this is intimacy. This is um, closeness. This is approval. God will make his face shine upon you. The shining face of God. 
the smile of God. The Lord make his face shine on, shine on you, verse 25, and be gracious to you. The merciful favor. To, to, to be gracious means that God, God is kind and loving and he's merciful even to the ungrateful and the wicked. Gracious means tender-hearted. Patience, not giving us what we deserve. This is the signature statement, I think, of the whole Old Testament. Exodus 34, verses 5 and 6. This is God. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, and anybody in their right mind goes, oh, thank God you are that way, God. That is this blessing, that God will not be short with us, but long-suffering, that God will not be abrupt and hard with us. He will be tender and compassionate towards us. He will not cut us off. He will be forgiving and kind in his dealings with us. And I want you to think with me, if a day with God is like a thousand years, as Peter writes, then, then it's only been a couple of days since the cross. This church is, hasn't even been an hour old yet. And most of our lives in this room, just a few minutes in light of eternity. What does that mean? This is what it means. God, our Father, has so much patience so much more patience and so much more goodness and so much more kindness to show us. Now, you can think of that two ways. Like, eh, what was it, George, you said the nah word? Like uh, the front, you're like, eh. Or you can say, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Finally, verse 26, the Lord turned his face toward you. Another facial expression, which is nonverbal. And this represents God's core attitude, again, towards his people. You know how sometimes you can look at a person, and you may be wrong, but you can like, man, they do not like me. <laughs> they, you look at their face, and it's like, ugh. God will never have this face towards his people. We are his. In Christ, God's countenance countenance is lifted up, which is the opposite of downcast or moody or judgmentalism of God. This is love and a smile. This is love and this is a favorable look of God. Do you know that song, when you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world is smiling at you? Well, I don't know if that's true, but I do know that God is smiling on his people right now. And it's not one of these smiles. It's one of those smiles. And that all leads to what? Verse 26b, and give you peace. And that's the apex of the blessing here. This is last because this is the highest point of God's blessing, this side of heaven. This is shalom. You know that word. It's rich word. It's, it's a full word. This, this is like you have a baked potato and you just load up with everything you can think of and it's on your baked potato. There it is. This speaks of mental peace. Emotional peace. This speaks of spiritual peace. This speaks of psychological peace. This speaks of inward peace. 
This is total blessing. The sum total of all God's good gifts. It's the most expressive word, complete and whole, spiritual and otherwise. This is prosperity. This means there is nothing missing in our life in all of its dimensions. Now you understand that, right? So the one person says, if I had X, then I would have peace. The Christian says, we have X. And what this does then, listen carefully, this quiets the heart. It quiets the mouth. This is a resting soul. This is spiritual vitality. This is joy. This is abundant life. This is inner harmony. It's what makes life truly life as God would have us to live. This is not, you know, if only if I. If only this or if only that. If, if I had that and that, then I would have peace. This squashes that. This is not if I get this, if I have that, if I go there, have this much, then I can have peace. Not even close. This is the unmerited favor, grace of God, which gives way to peace, where in it we do not simply exist. We live as we were meant to live as God's children in peace. The fullness of life, which means we're not afraid of lack. And we're not afraid of God. And we're not afraid of people. And we're not afraid what doesn't come our way. Indeed, we're not afraid of what comes our way. So when God gives this blessing to all his people, he's not playing mind games. You know, he's not doing this so he could just keep us at bay. He's not dangling a carrot, you know, only to take it away if, if we don't measure up. God says to Moses, who says to Aaron, who says to all the people, you lift up your hands and you say to the Lord, bless you and keep you. Know the peace of God. Know it. Be receptive of this blessing. Be receptive of the blessing of God. I put in my notes, as I was getting towards the end, I would almost assume, this is me, I would almost assume in myself that there's so much more of God in this for me, you, remember? It's okay, you, me. And I ask God, help me to receive it and help me to understand it. Perfect provision, real security, the shining face of God, merciful favor, smiling face, total peace is what the Lord God extends to us in Christ. And you notice the prayer ends, if you would, with an amen and not, are you sure, God? Are you really sure? You know, circumstances are what they are in this world. Jesus said what would happen to us as believers, we, we understand that. But in every day, God is much greater. He's much greater, and he will bless. He will bless to heights and length and depth and breath. And how can we not believe that? I have still have dreams that have not been accomplished yet. I still have work to do. Height, length, depth, breath. So rich, so wonderful, and it's all grace. And for the Christian, it's all found in someone else, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, so they will invoke my name, God's name, on God's people. 
Israel. In other words, Aaron as the high priest was to get up and elevate the name of God. He was to magnify the name of God. He was to say, look how much greater God is. It's more than you could ever imagine. And he was there then, then to invoke that blessing, to invoke the name of God on the people, literally to put God's name on their bodies, on the sons of Israel, the name of God by saying this benediction to them, the, the totality of God, the sum of God. That, that's what Aaron's role was as he was speaking the very word of God to them. So I want you to know this. This isn't magic. This is doctrine. This is doctrine. And we'll end like this. This is all fulfilled in Jesus, isn't it? He's the great high priest. He's greater than Aaron. He became a curse for us on the cross. He was the anti-blessing, right? He became everything anti here so that we could have everything here. Our blessing. God hid his face from Jesus so that we could see his face. I don't know how you could ever grow tired of hearing that. And so now we can say, look how much greater Christ is. How much greater and grander and more wonderful than we ever thought. Do you see that? Do you see it? Let's pray. The Lord bless you. And the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this prayer. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.